Hello and welcome to the Player to Coach podcast. Uh, this is episode 11 and I am your host Josh Hill. Alongside me, my co-host and former teammate Jordan Alexander. Jordan, what's going on, dude? Not much, Josh. Just uh, got back from a little family vacation, um, which was nice. Uh, it was good to take a little bit of time. It was kind of the first opportunity since uh, before la- this last season to kind of just you know, do nothing, spend some quality time with the family. Um, so that was really good. Uh, and yeah, really enjoying, I know we talk about the weather a lot on this show. So uh, really enjoying the weather. It's a hot day here in Eugene today. It's like 95, I think, um, which is nice because we literally had rain like a week ago. Um, so yeah. How about you? How's Chicago? Uh, it's good. I mean, it's weather's been great out here. Honestly, we had like two weeks of it's like 90, but the humidity is like where it really gets you out here. It's like it'll be 100% humidity and it'll be terrible. Um, there's like condensation on my windows, like <laughs> on my house for a few days. Like this is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Uh, it felt a little bit more like an Oregon summer the last few days, which is nice, where it's, you know, like 80, 85 and no humidity, which is the best it's the best feeling ever so uh, yeah we are kind of a big weather podcast it's not really the intention but hey basketball doesn't work out you know maybe we'll go on the weather yeah maybe that could you know (laughs) could be our next future um we've got kind of an interesting podcast today um something that i don't i don't hear a lot of people talk about very often i mean that's kind of why i wanted to dive into it um it's kind of one of those things that you don't you don't really think about too much um, until you have your own team or like kind of, um, the foundational stages of like the beginning of a season, uh, we're going to be talking about practices, um, how they're, how they're scheduled, um, kind of points of emphasis, different ways to go about doing that. Um, and so, yeah, really not something that you think about until it's in your court and you're like, Oh shoot, I have to, I have to implement all these things. How do I want this to be ran? Um, how is this going to be delegated? Lots of different things to kind of talk about within that. Um, um, I'm curious, this is something I've seen very different, like I've seen a very different level of this on, you know, various different levels of like how punctual you are about your practice. Cause like very basic, like you should know exactly what you're going to be doing throughout your practice if you're the one running it. Right. And obviously there's going to be curveballs here and there, but um, for you guys in your program, do you guys have it like written down, like exactly how much time you guys have for certain drills, certain things you're going to implement in, does that for the most part stay like the same throughout practice? Like how punctual are you guys usually? Yeah. Um, good question. Um, coach Eddie, uh, my dad, obviously he's the one that, you know, creates the practice plans. Um, He's a super organized person just in general. Um, that's kind of how he operates um, by, you know, being punctual. So he has detailed out times um, for each of our practice plans. But with that being said, um, you know, I, I'm of this opinion. Um, I think a lot of coaches are probably of the same opinion is that a good practice plan has to be flexible um, I don't think that you should always be sticking to your practice plan. Um, 
when working through a practice. Things are going to come up, like you just mentioned. There are going to be some curveballs. Um, you might have to spend some more time on um, a couple of other things as you're working on something as a team or with individuals. Maybe you're getting something right away so you can spend less time on it and move on to the next thing. Um, so basically, we use our practice plan as kind of like an outline. Um, it has times on there and ideal times. We'll set the game clock for that in the gym. Um, but all of us understand players too, that we could add time to that, or we could end this shorter, um, based off of how we're doing or things that come up. So I think as a coach, you really have to be flexible, um, to your practice plan. Um, if you want to be successful, um, otherwise you could just be wasting time working on something that maybe you don't need to, um, or not spending enough time on something that you need to. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how we operate um, here at Bushnell with our practice plans. Um, we have a pretty solid routine to start um, each practice with a team dynamic warm-up, um, certain shooting drills, certain full-court drills that we do um, pretty consistently just about every single day unless something is different. Uh, I'd say like 99% of the time we're doing the same thing for the first 15, 25 minutes uh, of practice. So, um, yeah, we have a routine in that sense. But then after that, it can depend on what day it is, depending on who our opponent is, um, depending on how much time we have in between opponents, um, all of that. So, For sure. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I think everyone's got to remain flexible. I just think um, there's, a, there's a certain level of um, like a sense of urgency and – more so like coaching the side of um, uh, the attention to detail. You know, if you have a certain amount of time for every drill, um, but for whatever reason, you know, guys are screwing off or there's just a, a, le you know, a lack of focus on a certain day, that's when you can kind of tighten up your schedule and say, hey, we only have this amount of time. Like we need to, we need to lock in. And that's how you can kind of keep that, all in check there. I know, um, I didn't, I didn't have a ton of like, um, structure as far as, you know, everything to a T needs to be hit as far as your times, um, until I was done playing. Like I, there was moments and times and whatever, but, um, I had one of the like most um, punctual coaches that I'd ever been around. Um, when I was still finishing up my bachelor's at Anderson university, it was, it was, it was awesome to see because it was something that I hadn't really seen in person before. Um, but yeah, it was just this, you know, and on, you know, seven we're going to start this drill. And then at seven, you know, 38, we're going to be moving on to this drill. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is, it's intense. And so it's, there's that level of, um, you know, if, I'm not going to repeat any word that I say because that's a waste of time. So make sure you're paying attention. Make sure you're not screwing around. Um, if so, like the only reason why I'm going to change my practice schedule is because I'm going to stop for 10 minutes to run the crap out of you. Like that's the only reason why I'd change it. So, um, mm -hmm. it's definitely fascinating. And, you know, the farther throughout your season you go, it, at least in my experience, it tends to be, you know, um, the less, you know, less and less structured because there's always certain things that you really want to correct. Like, Hey, we yeah. can, we really need to stick in this area for a little bit and, um, whatever. But, um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think structure 
definitely exists more like a planned structure exists more in the preseason um early in the season i 100 percent agree with what you just said yeah yeah especially because it's a whole new season whole new team and there's you you can't cover everything in time like especially with you know it seems like more and more you're getting your time cut shorter and shorter as far as your off season goes and there's just we have to cover every general idea and then the farther throughout the season we can get more and more specific with that but yeah it's because you have to cover everything (laughs) yeah um in too little time um I'm curious if there's any, like, what are the thoughts or strategies that goes into planning your practices from like a week to week perspective? Like you have certain games on this day, certain games on this day. Um, Like how much are you guys competing throughout the week? Like um, from a day to day basis, do you guys have kind of a structure or a strategy that you guys use on a week to week basis as far as how your practices go? Um. Yeah, without giving too much away, right? Um, yeah, I think for us, we have a really consistent, and you know this, we have a consistent conference schedule. Um, so, like, talking just about during conference play right now, we play every Friday, Saturday, back-to-back, except two of the weeks, we also play on a Tuesday um, because we play with our travel partner or whatever, right? So, um that happens twice during conference play. So typically majority of the weeks we have games Friday, Saturday. Um, we'll usually take Sunday off. We might have skill work and film on Monday, um, depending on how the weekend was, what's upcoming travel schedules, how many practices can we get in all that. But typically skill work and film on Monday. And then Tuesday we get after it. Um, Tuesday, we really focus on us, um, things that we can fix from the previous weekend after a couple of days of reflection, watching film. Um, we compete a lot on Tuesdays. A lot of what we do is competition based in practice. We keep score with just about everything. Losing team has a consequence. So there's always uh, an incentive to win. Um, and yeah, so Tuesdays, that's kind of what we do. Uh, of course, we'll we'll start to think about upcoming opponents a little bit, um, but we do spend a lot of time on us and competing on Tuesdays. Um, and then Wednesday um, and Thursday, we spend a lot of time um, preparing for our opponents um, and how, you know, we can incorporate what we want to do with that opponent um, into our game plan, um, whether that's for Friday or for Saturday, depending on our opponent who we're playing. Um, so, that's how it is for a typical week. When we play on Tuesdays, um, following a Friday, Saturday weekend, we tend to watch film. It's a short turnaround, right? So we'll watch film together. We'll get skill work in the next day, actually, on a Sunday night um, or Sunday afternoon, something like that. Something light, um, a lot of recovery, maybe a team meal um, kind of built into that kind of stuff. Um, and then Monday, you know, we're prepping um, for our game on Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it's like for us as far as, you know, the schedule goes. Um, Yeah, it's pretty consistent, I think, in the Cascade Conference as far as your schedule. You're just going to have those two off weeks where you have games on a Tuesday. In the preseason, it's a little bit different, right, because you could have games on the weekend. You could have games in the middle of the week. 
you might be traveling a little bit further than you typically do um, during conference play. It can be something like that. So, um, yeah, that's just something that gets built season by season, honestly. Um, Whenever you have at, those those sat those uh, Friday Saturday back to backs, you always hear like you never want to, um, you know, think too far ahead. So how much is all of the opponent prep go into that Friday game? And then you, do you guys just have to like review like scouting report for that Saturday game, or do you guys do you guys talk about that Saturday game before your Friday game at all? Yeah, that's um, that's a really tough thing about the CCC, and not a lot of conferences at any level um, really do this a lot. Playing back to backs, me and you obviously got to experience that as players, mm-hmm. um, and that can be tough. Um, I know what we used to do when we were playing and everything, um, kind of the, and this obviously has some flexibility, right? But kind of the idea is it's a lot harder to win the Saturday game if you don't win on Friday. Um, so we do, we spend most of our time preparing for Friday. Now, some other things go into that, who we're playing Friday and Saturday, right? Um, different opponents, right? You might have to feel like you prepare a little bit more. Um, we we do incorporate a couple of things for the Saturday opponent in our practices. I would say majority is for Friday, but yeah, we incorporate a little bit for Saturday too. Um, but it, I'm be honest, it definitely does have to do with who we're playing. Um, and sometimes you play against teams um, on a given weekend that play a little bit similar. And so we'll just work on, we won't necessarily go through like a full scouting report, but we'll go through things that we're going to guard. Like for example, if we're working on defense, we're going to go through um, things that we're going to guard and actions we're going to guard against both of those teams. Right. Um, And we might use examples of these types of players. Um, So, yeah, I think that there is definitely a little bit of a mix, but we do spend most of our time preparing for Friday um, definitely have to sprinkle in some of the Saturday stuff. That's one of the tough things, though, about the CCC, right? Um, you, you can probably add to that a little bit um, what it was like for us. But that turnaround, dude, of playing Friday night and then less than 24 hours later, you're playing again. Yeah. And you could be on the road and you might have to travel on the bus that night, Friday night or early Saturday morning, depending on where it's at. You're getting a shoot around in maybe in a in – a, you know, a film session and trying to get a good meal or two, and then you're playing again. Um, and that's grueling. Like that's grueling when you're playing college basketball. Um, it's funny. I always like, I, it's funny to think about this now. Um, hey, you high school, right? We're playing like two, three games in a day. No problem at all. Like it's a hot gym in the middle of July. Um, all that. When you're playing college, dude, I can speak for our conference specifically when you got a back to back, like it's physical and uh, those Saturday games can be brutal um, just on your bodies. And I think that's one reason that we like to take Sunday off a little bit um, from the court, just so it gives our guys a chance to recover um, because then you're right back at it with the same schedule again next week. And that season goes for a long time. We play uh, 22 conference games. Um, so that's happening over the course of 10 weeks or whatever it is because, um, back to back to back to back, right. Um, until the season's over. So 
being consistent as consistent as possible with our schedule is uh, really important to us. But yeah, anything you want to add from um, fond memories of back to backs on the road? I mean, there's a few trips of mine that still like are hard to think of just because of that. I mean, you're right like that. And a lot of it for me was um, just getting to witness what other people had to go through and prepare for. And a little bit of why like um, I stopped playing early is because um, my I have a, an ankle situation on both of my feet and just the thought of like, like for practices and you know stuff alone like whenever we're at home like I already have an hour and a half of pre like physical stuff that I have to do like in the training room and then an hour and a half afterwards it's like the thought of trying to fit all that in being on the beacon bus in between those and like the travel aspect of it is just yeah I just you know I figured my body wasn't ready for that but it as far as like the the approach of it the second game I mean I don't know if you felt the same way, but it always felt like the second game of a back-to-back was a lot more of like, hey, we just need to focus on what we do great, and if we do that, then like we can come out on top. And yeah, it's, I agree. There's there's a lot more um, emphasis on, hey, what are our strengths? What do we do? If we focus on how we play, then we can, we can get the job done. Um, because you don't want to overload your players' brains with too much information and too little right. time. Um, yeah. And so guys are trying to remember, like – you know, what are the, you know, nine sets that they run and let me try to remember what they called it and wait, what does that guy do? It's like, all right, we have enough that we're already focusing on. Um, yep. Let's just talk about a few actions, a few of their strengths, um, a few of their, you know, key players that if we can limit, you know, whatever, but it's always a lot more of, hey, let's focus on what we do well. Hey, we didn't do this well yesterday and that led to da 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 da. Let's correct this this game and we know that if we play this way, then we can be successful. Um, yeah. is that, is that kind of how it feels to you now, even after, uh, I mean, as a player, but then also as a coach now? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think two things win you those games on Saturdays, I think mental toughness, because you know, you're gonna have to fight through some fatigue. Um, uh, I think that's super important. Um, you kind of talk about having to, you know, do you want to try to memorize, all of the plays for a Saturday game? No, probably not. Are we going to go through some of it? Yeah. Um, and that's, I think a large part of that is going to be on the coaches. Um, it's on us as coaches of like, okay, we need to know when certain things might happen, recognize so we can call things out from the bench because our guys might not remember that like they did for the Friday game. Um, I think the, the second thing, Wednesday, the Saturday games, um, is who who has uh, more depth. Um, I think that depth in our conference is really important. Um, if you, you know, you're running an eight, nine man rotation, um, it's definitely doable. Teams in our conference have done it. We did it um, when we had short rotations. Um, but having the depth for those Saturday games, if you can buy some minutes, especially on a Friday night um, for guys is really important. Um, that's why it's like, you know, not to be cheesy or anything, but it's the truth. Like basketball is like a team game. Like it's a team effort. And I think that's part of the fun part, um, is that games like that or situations like that are going to be a grind. And so Saturday you're going to, you know, have to really be together as a team. Um, but yeah, travel schedules can be tough like that. 
um, and trying to be, you know, we talked about punctuality earlier, trying to be punctual in those situations. So you have a routine, you can be consistent. I think that's important um, when you're on the road. Um, sometimes, and we have probably played on teams like this and we've seen teams like this. I think sometimes teams almost play better on the road because there's like a set schedule. Um, and they have, it's easy to follow a routine because that's all you're focused on. You're not at home. You're not worrying about anything else, you know, um, being on the road, um, you can really be locked in, uh, to the grind. And I think that that's kind of what drives really good teams is when you can be locked in like on the road like that and be punctual about those things. Definitely. Um, so mm. yeah, that's a, that's a really fun topic to kind of dive into and everything. A lot of good on memories the road versus at home. Yeah. Playing on the road versus being at home and, um, you know, players have their preferences. It's different feelings and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but there's nothing like, you know, a big win on the road, uh, with your guys. Um, I think that's a really cool thing. And I think it's one of the best feelings in sports. Uh, so for sure. yeah, I'm but definitely... not to get off the track. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, small, a small comment on that. I'm definitely more of a like, I would rather shut up an opposing crowd than like get cheered on by my own. Not like I would like, whatever. I just the idea of being like the villain in the in the arena is I I love that. It's yeah, my it's favorite. That's fun. That's fun. It, and you're be, a KD fan, so that makes sense. It does. Um, I don't know. I I gain a lot of respect for people who like like Trey Young uh, last year in the playoffs oh, against yeah. New, New like York. that like buying all the way into like you know what f you back like that whole mentality is like ah I love that love that a lot. <laughs> How much of going into that next week is like hey whatever happened this last weekend just leave it behind us let's move forward. Obviously you talked about having film on Monday. Um, how much of because especially when you get in the season, like if you start looking back too much, like there's there's always going to be way more things to correct than you can ever count. But how much Definitely. of the focus is, hey, let's let's start preparing for our Friday Saturday turnaround again, or is it a little bit more of, hey, let's let's take a little bit of a deep dive into what happened this last weekend and dissect what we could you know improve on. Yeah, um, I think a lot of that comes from film work, right? Um, obviously it's what we're talking about. So, um, yeah, I think, I think diving into the things that are going to help propel you to continue to be a better team is important. Um, and building on the things that you do well also, like we're not always just spending our time watching all the mistakes that we made. Um, we usually split it up half and half, um, goods and bads, both offensively and defensively. Um, we might break down film with individuals um, also um, and kind of just watch some things, things that guys did good, things that guys can improve on. But we try not to harp too much on what has already happened. Um, but, you know, the things that we pick out that are negatives, um, we think those are really important things for the next week. Um, and then all of the positives that we see, those are going to be things that are going to continue to help us win games. Um we don't need to sit, sit there and watch film on every single turnover, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe there's a few clips in there of, okay, if you see this, you know, if you see this play ahead of this play or um, all that, maybe we can avoid that or something. Um, 
So, but I agree with what you said. You don't want to spend too much time on things that have already happened. That can be depleting um, to a player. It can start the week off on a negative foot. Um, those are also things that we're just going to touch on, on pr- in practice too, when we're working on us. Um, and, you know, we have high IQ guys on our team that are going to be able to see it on the court um, and in practice, and we can fix it on the court maybe without having to watch film on it. So we can spend time watching film on certain things, on other things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how we do things here. Um, that might look different though, and obviously you know this. That could look different if you know you're at a different school um, or you have a different schedule. Um, you know, based off of your your opponent schedule, your conference schedule, whatever. Um, so that's just how it kind of goes for us. Uh, that's the grind of our conference and uh, it is easy to build a routine because of how our conference schedule is laid out Um, but yeah sometimes you got to build a day at the end of the week for just strictly to travel so that could shorten your week also and so you might have to accelerate what you're doing at the beginning of the week because maybe you have to leave on a Thursday early in the morning for a Friday night game that's late and you're going to be spending all day Thursday traveling maybe you're leaving on a Friday morning for a Friday night game, right? So that's just taking away a practice in your own gym. You might have to find a gym on the road. And sometimes, you know, we know how that goes. It can be limited time in that gym. And, you know, you might just be spending time getting shots up when you're getting off the bus or getting a good stretch or whatever. So all of that plays a part into what we're doing early in the week. Um, And so, yeah, just – you kind of get, you got to be flexible, right? And that's the coach's responsibility um, as a staff to make sure that things are running as smooth as possible for the players so they can feel prepared to win the games, right? So that's what we're trying to do. So, uh, yeah. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a balance for sure. I think you – I think more times than not, you just focus on maybe some like trends that you have with your team. Like, hey, like r- over the course of these you know last three or four weeks, we've been having a lot of turnover. So you can kind of review why that's happening. Just kind of general ideas versus very specific plays that like that. Yeah. More likely than not, there's some you know there's going to be a lot of freak plays that happen in a game that aren't going to happen again in a season. So there's no point to review it. You know. Right. Um, so yeah, just focusing on the general idea. And then I think a lot of it just comes down to like, you're going to have to play this team later. So like, let's, I mean, from a coach's perspective, you take it and you analyze it and you write down, you know, things to kind of like remind yourself to like, Hey, like these are kind of the key factors that led to either the win or loss against this team. So that when you start preparing to play that team again, later on in the season, or even conference playoffs or whatever, you have that. Um, available to you but yeah it's it's definitely a balance of you don't want to you know just come in and you know kill your team's confidence as you know as much as possible but there is that level of I, I mean you know in competition you're going to get embarrassed at times and like if you do then I don't think it's a bad thing to like continue to relive that and try to forget it as quickly as possible because then that can lead to the you know there will be people all the time talking about how competitive they are and them being so angry after a loss, but then be a completely different person, you know, and practice the next day where it's like, I think it's, I think there's a healthy balance of bringing that 
um, that anger and frustration from a loss and like using that to fuel how you change the way that you operate in practice and the way that you go out, you know, go about your practice and how you learn grow and how you move on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a balance. Um, I want to kind of zoom out a little bit and just talk about just practice in general, like a very general view of it. So not everybody gets the chance to watch play and be a part of college basketball. What would you say is like, like, are there any like major differences between like high school basketball and college basketball practices, whether it be the drills, the intensity, what's, what's the difference there, if any? Um, yeah, uh, that's, there's probably a different answer depending on who you're asking, right? Just based off of what your high school experience maybe was or what you've seen. Um, I think for me, in my experience, the, the easiest answer is the intensity level. Um, in college, like more so than high school in college, you're, you're literally there to win games. Um, you know, if you're looking at it from a coach's perspective, um, coaches across college in general, keep their jobs based off of how they're doing, um, in the win and loss column. So, um, the intensity level, uh, is yeah, probably the biggest difference. Um, and that can mean multiple things, right? That could mean um, the conditioning. That could mean the competitive part of practice where you're keeping track. Um, some coaches, you know, like to keep track of stats during practice. Every once in a while we do that um, where we are right now. Um, and then, yeah, you know, keeping track of shots made, shots missed, um, you know, just about everything we do has a winner and a loser. Um, that wasn't always the case when I was in high school. It was, you know, it did happen a lot when I was in high school, but not all the time. Um, so I think just the intensity. Um, yeah, I don't know what else. I'm trying to think. Other differences. Uh, we spend a lot more time on scouting reports in college. Um, I think there's... I mean, at least when I was in high school, we barely watched any film um, on our opponents. Uh, we watch a lot of film on our opponents in college. We watch, we watch a lot more film on ourselves in college than I did when I was in high school. Uh, so I think game preparation is more intense. Also, that can be part of that intensity. Um, I think everything you do in a college situation just has probably some more meaning to it. Um, as a right. whole. And so you're going to dive into things a little bit more. You're going to work hard on certain things um, a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So just the intensity level of each detail that rises, um, at least in my experience too. Um, that's also naturally going to rise too, just from the speed of the game. So if you're looking at it from a player's perspective, like it's a lot faster in college and there's tiers to that too, depending on the level you play at in college. Mm -hmm. So um yeah, I just think that, you know, it's it's a more grueling day, right? If you're including everything, um, not just the, the two or three hour practice window, right? But you're talking about like morning workouts and uh, study halls and um, film 
and meals and all that kind of stuff. It's a more intense and grueling day in college um, as a player than it is in high school, um, depending on your high school experience. But I'd say in most all situations, that's going to be the case. So, um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? What are the differences in your mind? Yeah, I think I think something that I was I was trying to kind of lead us into is just this idea of and it's just something that makes me chuckle now is that this idea of like oh what is like a like a college level workout or like a college level practice versus um you know a high school one and it's it's so ironic that like the drills don't really change mm-hmm. like from from high school to college there's there's really not much I mean like there's different drills in general but for the most part everything that we did in college is the same type of stuff that I've done before. It's just everything that you're saying, the intensity level, the precision, the expectation of, you know, um, less dumb mistakes. Like there's those types of things just get like, like just trim the fat, trim the fat. So it's, it's just this idea of, um, you know, that it's not like there's this, Oh, you have to be a, a, you know, a college level player to understand how to do this drill. It's like, no, that doesn't, doesn't really exist. It's just a little bit more of, um, obviously like when, you know, there's only one or two college level players on every high school, there's only, you know, so many of those type of athletes. So then when you put all of those onto a full roster of college players, everything's going to be elevated. Um, you know, the skill level, the, the intensity, the speed, the strength, all that stuff, it's just, um, it's amazing to me that, um, and like I've, I've coached at, uh, three different high schools now. Um, and, and just about every drill that we do is something that we've done at the college level. And it's something you have to explain to them where it's like, we're not, you're not doing anything different than what college players are doing right now. It's just the intensity level. There's less mistakes that happen. Not even just mistakes yeah. as far as like misses or turnovers or whatever, college but it's players like are just better at it than you. Right. They're, they're better at it than you. Um, they're more efficient in their practices. There's less, you know, less time spent doing nothing <laughs> or like right. over explaining a drill or whatever. And there's an expectation of, Hey, if we're, you guys need to pay attention so we can hurry up and do this drill so we can have more time to focus on the details of it. Um, versus I think more, more times than not, it's, especially in the high school level it's hey let's complete this drill at some point to where it looks somewhat good you know like versus hey like there's maybe going to be one or two reps of this drill where it's kind of like if especially if it's a new drill it's like okay let's get our let's get our feet wet let's understand what we're doing then after that it's you the expectation is set you need to know what you're doing yeah. out there and you need to yeah do you got to pick it up Right. And, yeah. and that's something that for me that I was, I was really challenged with, especially once you get in the middle of the season, if you're not in the rotation, you're not, you're not really touching the floor at all in practice very much. Like there's the, right. there's like the group shooting drill, like group conditioning, like stuff where like everyone's involved, but then if we're doing installs or whatever, like I'm why, why would I get on the floor at all if I'm right. not in the rotation? And so like, but there happens to be like, Hey, like, you know, um, bench squad coming and running against our defense i still have to know what's happening so like there's this level of hey not everyone gets a chance to touch the floor but everybody has to learn it and everyone has to know it so it's just um yeah it's it's just always ironic the amount of you know what is a, a college 
you know, practice look like that's so much different than high school. It's, it's never really the drill. It's always just the intensity, um, the precision and everything from there. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think you put that really well. Um, I think the, I think one other thing too, that's probably a difference. And this is not just like, it's not necessarily just from high school to college, but even from high school to high school or coach to coach or whatever is you might have different concepts that you're learning. So players can maybe get overwhelmed with different concepts that are being taught and then they get distracted from, you know, executing the basic things that they've done a million times before. Right. Just because of maybe they're overwhelmed. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that's a difference too, but that's a difference when you're just playing for a different coach than you've played with or played for before, not necessarily just high school to college. Um, yeah, I think, I think you really spoke to that as far as the drills and the skill work maybe isn't very different at all, but the expectation level is a lot higher. Um, and yeah, you got to pick it up. You got to pick up drills really fast or else you're going to get left behind um in certain drills not like literally left behind like there's going to be a teammate or a coach to pick you up and support you and help you out but um yeah you might just not get the reps if you're not picking things up um i definitely think that's true for um what you talked about in the middle of the season with what your role was with the team i was like that early in my career um at ncu too where i wasn't getting reps halfway through the season um, and so, yeah, you still got to know stuff. Um, you, you have a role and a responsibility. Like it's super cliche to say that everyone has a role, right? Super cliche. And not a lot of players want to hear that or even know what that means necessarily, but it's so true. It's so true. You have such a responsibility if you're, um, the bottom guy on the roster, just as much as the top guy on the roster. Um, your job's different, but your role's just as important. Um, because now you got to help the guys ahead of you get better. Um, you talk about, you know, being like a scout player, essentially where you got to know the other team stuff so you can work on it against our defense or, um, all that, like that stuff's really important at the college level. And that's actually sometimes the only spot available for a guy. Um, and he has to earn his way into the rotation throughout his career. Um, like that's yeah that's sometimes even more important just because you got to have guys at the end of the bench at the end of you know maybe fringe rotation players um i think fringe rotation players have a really tough job because sometimes they um, might get the reps but sometimes they might have limited reps so they're like how can i get into the rotation if i have limited reps well you got to take advantage of those limited reps right um so yeah that's a really um, good conversation too. Um, it doesn't matter. Roles are important in practice, whether you're on scout, whether you are a starter, um, bench player, it doesn't even, it doesn't really matter. Um, that stuff's important, but the expectation level is definitely a huge difference between high school and college. Getting back to that. Um, definitely. I would agree with that. Um, we've, we've hit on this quite a bit and this is a little bit of a segue, um, from what you're talking about, but how, how important, I mean, you've, you talked that, you know, how important competition is to your guys' team, but just in general, how, like, fundamental is 
having competition like woven into everything that you do in practice because i i think it's essential i think it's there's there's very there's very few things that you do on on the court in a practice where you shouldn't be competing if that's even really a thing but just talk to us like how like the importance of competing why and like how many like like what all that touches when you guys compete as a team yeah um we keep score in all the drills that we can keep score on. Um, losers have consequence, whether that's a set of lines or push-ups or whatever it is. Um, that doesn't mean that the winners can't do it too. Um, after each rep or a round or a game that we play. Um, no, you said it. Competition is super essential. Um, I think that's what we're doing, right? We're competing every single day. You're, you're competing to win, you're competing for minutes, you're um, competing with your teammates. So then you can go out onto the floor in games and compete against a foot. Like, that's what we're doing, we're competing. Um, so if you're not competing and you're not keeping track of your competition in practice, you're, what are you doing? Um, I think you said it, um, we're always competing. Um, I think that's how I think that's how you build a winning culture. I think you have to compete and know what it feels like to win and know what it feels like to lose. Um, I think that creating those habits of um, competing is super important for those things. Um, and that just, that's not just like a team thing either. If you're doing a shooting workout and you're not competing with yourself, what are you doing? You're just shooting to shoot. You're not, you're not trying to reach a goal. Um, I think that's something I learned as a player pretty early on. Um, I had the privilege to like work out with guys that were a lot older than me and coaches that I played for and trainers I worked out with. They were always um, having competition in those workouts, in those practices. So I was exposed to that early um, myself. You know, I work out with some of our guys and uh, sometimes like I'm the one competing with them. Um, there's certain things that I know I can still do as a basketball player, even though I'm, I'm retired. Uh, and so I'll compete with them, um, just to help the competition aspect of it. Um, but when I'm putting a guy through a shooting workout, I'm making sure that there's a consequence if he doesn't meet these certain numbers. Um, we have a guy, uh, that is on our roster that, um, you know, is one of our best shooters, if not our best shooter. And I work out with him quite a bit. Um, and so we compete all the time. Like every single time that we do a workout, he's competing with himself. He's also competing with me. And we run for not shooting a certain percentage. We, the loser runs. Um, we condition in our shooting workout, um, being able to shoot from different spots on the floor. Um, it drives him right? It drives him to be better and set an expectation for himself. Um, so yeah, I think if you're not competing in an individual aspect with yourself or as a team, I think you're wasting your time. Um, honestly, um, otherwise you're just there to be there. Um, but that's kind of just my opinion. I'm also a super competitive person. So I love competition. Some people shy away from competition. Um, even those that play sports shy away from competition so mm -hmm. um yeah that's just kind of who i am and that's how we run things here at personnel um, as an example 
uh, we're always competing. So, yeah, I th- I think um, competition is probably one of the most healthy things that you can do to your own program. Um, yeah, and uh, more so on the, along the lines of um, like if you have a a talented team that might have some egos in there as well. I think competition is really good. Um, cause there's, there's a high school that I coached for and, um, there wasn't, we obviously competed at times, but there was, there would go stretches where we wouldn't keep track of certain things or we'd say, Hey, like first team to 10 wins or whatever. And then halfway through, it just kind of fades out or whatever. And, um, there's this level of, if you're not like a clear starter, then what we started to see was a little bit of like, if a guy just had a good shooting day at practice, he would start to like, well, why can't I just, am I going to start this week then? Or like, you know, cause that, that feeling starts to creep in where if you aren't competing all the time, then like that, that, um, that chain of commander, like top of the roster guys that, that, that kind of gets blurred a little bit if you haven't competed yeah, it's not in a as while. Definitive. Right. And so, yeah. and, and I think it's okay to have that, like, no, like we've, we've gone through these drills and like, we've done this long enough that we can tell that he is a better player than you, or he is a better defender than you because we did the, like full court one-on-one stuff. Like he's obviously a better defender than you. So when, right. you know, it's a, a situational game and we need defense and like you, you can't get mad at us taking you out. Like we've, right. we've done this before. We've seen it before. You're not a good defender and you're going to come out. But if we don't keep score, if we don't compete in that way, if you know, it's all like shell type of stuff where you always, you always have your help side and you can kind of get blurred in that middle ground. Um, and you get taken out. You might wonder like, Oh, why, why do you think he's a better defender than me? So I just think, I think that that clear understanding of, you know, coaches aren't like, we don't, don't pick favorites in that way. We're not doing it to do anything to you. It's we're, we're trying to win and we compete all the time in practice. And what we've seen out of him is that he's going to perform to what we want to see better than you. Yeah. And it's as yep. cut and dry as that. And I think the more cut and dry and the more obvious, the more clear that you can make that to your team, to your players is, is better. And not to say that they don't have anything to bring, um, in like every situation is situational, um, which is like one of my favorite things to say now, cause there's no, um, you know, there's no formula to everything that happens in life. But, um, right. yeah, I just think the more clear that you can make that and like competition makes every, like it makes everyone better. It just does. And like you were talking about, um, you know, the type of competitor that you are, like I've obviously seen that <laughs> in person. It's a, it's an awesome thing to see. And like, that's, and that's how it should be, um, you know, and it's, it, you know, it makes everyone better, makes people coach better, makes, makes players right. play better. It, it, it drives everything into where it's like, Hey, if, if it's been made clear that you're not going to get as many minutes as you want, because we've competed, we've done these things, we've seen what we need to see, then like, you know, what you need to work on as well. So like, if you're delusional about what type of role that you think that you should have, then like you might start going to like, Oh, these coaches are picking on me or like my team doesn't like, like all that type of crap that doesn't really exist. Like then you have a more clear 
idea of, Hey, like I, I need to start working on this now. And especially this off season, I need to make sure that that doesn't happen again. You know, and those defensive drills where I got cooked, I need to make sure that's not me next year. So they don't look at me as a liability. I just think it makes everything better. No. Yeah, dude. Competing gives you answers. Competing creates roles and competing changes roles. Like sitting here thinking about all the things you're saying and us talking about this, like those are the things that create, you know, roles and competitions, you know, allow you to change your role. Like it also, but it's going to give you an answer yourself. Like, dude, Kenny kicked my butt in practice a lot. Kenny was the starting point guard. That made sense. Like no one needed to tell me that. Right. So like I, it gives, it gave me an answer, but it also helped create a role for me. Now what's my job. Right. Like, yeah, I'm going to compete with Kenny every single day and I might outplay him in certain situations or, whatever um but no like now now it's created a role and then i can uh, support him in his role and i can you know help push him and he can help push me and now when you figure out what your role is then you can help each other in your role that's what a teammate does right so um yeah like the <laughs> competing helps define so much um, and so if you're not doing it, you're just kind of trying to figure it out, I guess, and play the guessing game. So you have to compete in everything that you do. Um, yeah. Right. I think that's the easiest way to put it. Definitely. Um, okay. Talk about delegation as far as practices goes. Um, and this is definitely, uh, there's no, there's no perfect right answer to this. There's there's things that I think that I would prefer as a player and as a coach. But um, when it comes to who runs the practice, obviously that that will always stem from the head coach. Um, no matter if he's right. running the whole thing, if he's the one who said you know forty eight thousand words in one practice, and the assistant coaches have said zero, like um, or if it's you know kind of the other way around. But um, how how do you guys do things at Bushnell? And what are some of the things that, um, like one of the, the pros and cons of it, as far as delegation beyond like the assistant coaches? Yeah. Um, my dad delegates a lot to us as assistants in practice. Um, me and, uh, one of our other assistants, we run a lot of our defensive stuff in practice. Um, and we've been in charge of our defense the last couple of years. Um, and so that's been really cool. Um, it's helped put, I can speak for myself. It's put me in a situation, um, to improve my craft of coaching, um, and really kind of get detailed on certain parts of practice, um, that I think are important because I know what I'm prepared for that day. Um, we have other coaches that, uh, work a lot with our offense and we all kind of, you know, we all play a role in things, but we have other coaches that um, work on our offense a lot um, and they focus on that. Um, You know, we have a coach that works a lot on our player development and skill work throughout practice with all of that being said, with my dad being the one that delegates it, he's also the one that's in charge, obviously still. So um, everything that we do goes through him still. 
Like we're not just making things up as we go and making the decisions for the program um, and what we're doing that day. Um, he creates the practice plans and, hey, we want to work on this. Sometimes he'll leave things completely up to us is what we see fit. Sometimes he'll have an idea. We all make sure that, you know, we talk to him, though, like, hey, things that you saw this weekend that we need to fix or things that you want to prepare for this upcoming weekend or how do you see things um, going today in practice. So um, just because he delegates, that doesn't mean that he's not involved, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's a really cool thing. You know, he's talked about it, and I've seen other head coaches talk about this too and um, different situations too. But I think um, when you delegate things to your assistants in practice, um, it helps your assistant coaches feel like they have a role and a voice um, and they can improve their, you know, their coaching abilities. Um, you know, if I, you know, move on one day and want to be a head coach myself, like because my dad's delegating things to me as an assistant now, that, that that's preparing me, that's helping me because now I can see how I would maybe run practice or, think pros and cons of what I would and wouldn't do, um, all that type of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's been really cool to be a part of. If it wasn't like that, if he wasn't delegating things, that's totally fine too. Like that's not for me to decide as an assistant coach. Um, I got to find my niche and my role, um, and support the head coach. However, he needs me to, that's your job as an assistant, quite frankly. Um, so, uh, and, you know, build relationships with players and, um, you know, you have some coaches out there that are good at recruiting and some coaches that do all the stuff in-house and, you know, just however your head coach sees fit. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, this kind of relates to how we, uh, like what our experience was in college too. Um, coach Litz ran a lot of practice um, as an assistant. Um Coach Luke, he kind of delegated a lot for him to do um, and other assistants to Coach McCann and, um, you know, my dad and he's whoever. Um, but Coach Litz ran a lot of practice. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Yep. Which, like, was, that was just cool because, like, Coach Litz, you know, he had a lot of experience. So um, yeah. that was fun. Um, but still, you know, Coach Luke was – he was still – the one that was making the decisions and he would step in and be like, Nope, this is actually what we're going to do. If he saw something that maybe he didn't want as the head coach. Um, so um, yeah, that's cool. I've also been um, a part of teams um, as a player where the head coach is the one that ran everything. Um, and so, yeah, I think like if, and when I'm a head coach one day, I think I would want to delegate. I would want to trust my assistants enough for, um, them to be able to run some things too. I think that's really important. I think that builds a cool culture um, amongst your coaches and your team. Um, yeah, I think it takes, it, do, it does take trust. It takes trust for my dad to be able to do that, right? But he also has the power to just say like, no, like that's not, that's not going to happen or that's not how we're going to do things. So um, yeah. It's a, it's a cool thing. Um, he delegates that stuff well. Um, and he, like I mentioned earlier, he's a super organized guy, really punctual, um, likes to, you know, have a schedule and a deadline for things. Um, but he's also super flexible. And so 
Um, we've kind of found our roles as assistants with that and how to work for him and with him. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's your what's your take and opinion on that? What have you seen? Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned it there towards the end. It it takes trust. That's obviously the the biggest thing. If you know, especially if you know, um, you're brand new to the 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 program and you're you know just got hired as a head coach. You obviously want your your hand you know in everything. Um, right. And you might not. Um, you know, you might be put in a situation where you have to hire someone that you don't necessarily know. And it's like, Hey, you know, trusting that what you have on your resume and that what you're telling me about your experiences is real and, um, all this kind of stuff. And so you kind of have to play that game of, um, you know, how much am I willing to, um, not relinquish that kind of makes it sound like it's a bad thing, but you know, like trust them to run things and, um, run things, uh, your way and make sure that all of the teachings are the same and all that. But I think, um, especially if you're in a, in a situation where you do trust your assistants, I think delegation is huge. Um, not only, not only like you're saying, you know, um, letting them get a chance to prepare themselves for, you know, um, you know, to self coach themselves afterwards on things that they need to work on. You're empowering them to have a bigger, stronger coach's voice and um, really find their role in the team. And then also like shows to your players that like, I'm not the only one with all the answers. You know, I, I have assistants that are, you know, I trust them to teach you. So if you guys need something, go, go talk to them. Like, obviously like my door is always open, but like, like you have three, four other great options of people that, talk to and so you know if you ever have you know we had um times where you know luke got like suspended for a game and if we didn't if he never delegated anything or if we didn't really have you know many interactions or whatever with any of the assistants it would be you know a really really big deal to not have your head coach but if you take the time to let them coach things to let them let their voice be heard it's not um, you know, obviously everything changes when your head coach isn't there, but, um, there's a level of like, what, why would we need to freak out? We all have the same players. We're hearing the similar to the same message. It's just coming out of a different person. Like, and so right. it, I think it, it creates a little bit of a, um, a safety net for yourself that, you know, and, and honestly you might just, you know, whatever the situation, you might have to be out for a day and like, whatever that looks like, you know, life happens, you know? get in a car wreck, get sick, family situation, whatever. You don't want, you don't want your assistance to, to be completely reliant on you as well, you know, um, to not only empower them. And then, and also just figure out what your assistants are good at. You know, everyone has their niche, um, especially early on in the season is kind of a feeling out phase of where am I going to fit in? Um, that's been, um, that is a, it's an interesting song and dance, (laughs) Uh, for assistance right right off the bat especially if you're in a new program and knew everything but you know you always got to find your niche and um yeah it's i i think there's more it's overwhelmingly positive um to have delegation in your program um, yeah just for all the reasons that we talked about i think you kind of mentioned that mentioned it i think it's easier to delegate um the further you get into it, right? Like my dad probably didn't delegate as much in his first year as a head coach than he, as he does now, right? Because you got to establish your program, right? Um, you got to <clears throat> build up a staff that you do trust 
um, and all that. And so, yeah, like as assistants were still running things in his first year, but not as much probably as it happens now. I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think the other cool thing too um, about delegation like that is that um, it shows that the coaching staff is on the same page and it's not just one voice. You kind of touched on this, but um, you know, players have relationship, different relationships with certain coaches. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that it's important that as a staff, you're on the same page about things, even if the head coach is delegating a lot, um, things are still getting ran through him. And so, um, yeah, like a player can come talk to me as, as an assistant or another assistant or whatever, and get the same exact answer that he would get if he went to the head coach. So, um, yeah, I think that delegation has a lot more positives than negatives if you can get to that point um, as a head coach. Um, so, yeah, I would agree. I think it's a, it's a really positive thing. And it's also a really cool thing to see as a player. Like, it was nice to when we were playing to um, hear from different coaches on different things because maybe – this, you know, maybe coach a coaches um, with a little bit of a different style, but he might say something that kind of clicks with you versus what coach B says, you know what I mean? So, um, but it's the same exact message. You just needed to hear it from a different voice. It's the same exact idea as hearing um, what your coach is saying, but hearing it from a teammate, right? You might receive it way better from your teammate than you would from the coach. Right. So, um, it's the same exact concept as that. Um, it's just amongst coaches. So, uh, yeah, I think um, delegation is important for sure. Yeah. Um, how much situational stuff do you guys do in practices? This is something that um, I think is really important and something that we did a lot when I was coaching in Indiana where, um, you know, obviously at the end of the game, there's so many different situations that you can find yourself in. So I think it's, it's good to challenge your team and not always have a, Hey, like we're going to, you know, five minutes and zero to zero. When like realistically, you know, going to the last five minutes of the game, someone's going to be up and someone's going to be down. So it's like, Hey, you could put, you know, your, your number ones out there and say, Hey, you guys are down by eight points and there's like three minutes left to go, like figure it out. Cause like, that's a real right. life situation. So, um, do you guys do situations and do that kind of stuff? And, um, how does that kind of look and uh, what, what are some of the benefits that you guys see? Yeah, we definitely do situationals. Um, we started to incorporate that a little bit more as time has gone on over the last few seasons um, than we did maybe before. Um, I know that we used to do that when we were players quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, kind of what you just mentioned, maybe there's like two, three minutes left in the game and it's a four or five, six point game. Um, and so you know, you play it out. Um, sometimes we do it with a coach on the side and sometimes we do it without a coach and players got to do it and you get one timeout or whatever it is. Um, you're calling plays, you're making defensive calls, all that kind of stuff. F fouling if you need to based off your decisions. Um, yeah, we do that. Um, we don't do that every day, uh, but we have started to do that a little bit more as the years have gone on. I think, um, there's a lot of positives that can come from that. Um, I think it helps create coaches on the floor, uh, you know, from a player's voice um, and a player's perspective. I think it also just helps build the IQ up of your team as a whole. Um, 
And it also helps make sure that the whole team, coaches and players, is on the same page based on a given situation. Um, and, you know, hey, if are we fouling? Um, if we're on defense, are we fouling up three and putting them on the free throw line? Or are we going to play the possession straight up? Um, so, like, that's something that, you know, that's a pretty common one, I think, in basketball. Um, super situational. Um, but yeah, we definitely do that. We'll, we'll do situations off of a free throw. Um, so like, we'll start it with a free throw and then we'll just play like, um, okay, there's like 30 seconds left in the game off of this free throw. If he makes it, obviously he's going to affect the score and it might change the situation of what you need to do on the other end. Um, so now you're thinking on the fly and the situation isn't just set for you. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of pros doing that. Um, I think any cons that come up would just be like, um, if you have players disagree about a situation on the floor, um, the, but that's kind of what the purpose is. Right. Right. So now we're, we are getting on the same page. Um, yeah, we don't spend like a ton of time doing that. We might spend like 15, 15 minutes doing it, 20 minutes or whatever, Mm. Um, but we're not spending like an hour doing that. Um, I think that would be a little, a little ridiculous maybe. Um, so yeah, we definitely do that. I think that's important. Um, there's a lot of situations in basketball, um, that you gotta be prepared for. So, yeah. Are you guys fouling up three? Um, what are we doing as a program or what am I doing? I mean, if it's different. Let us know. No, I, you know what? That's a really, it's a really tough one, Josh. Like I have gone back and forth. I think our program has gone back and forth on it. Um, I think typically, typically don't foul. That's just kind of how I have always been. Um, But that has also bitten us before. Like that, that hurt us in a game. Uh, One time we just, we decided to not foul. And some freak play happened. Like, we literally blocked the first three and then the deflection and the, the crap that got thrown up went in. So, like, um, yeah, it's – okay, I'll just say this. It's a lot easier to have an answer after something bad happens to you. Right. Right. Um, and in that situation. Um, I think that most of the time we when that's come up for us, we play the possession straight up. Um, I think that's honestly a clock thing though, Josh, like seriously, that's a clock thing. Um, and so we've done both. If I'm being honest, we have fouled up three. Um, and we've also played the possession straight out based off where the ball's at based off of, you know, what player that ball is going to based off of how much time's on the clock. So, um, I think that one's a little bit more complex than people think it is. Um, but typically, most of the time, we take pride in playing defense and getting the stop and guarding the three-point line. And not – if a guy goes to the rim, you let him go. Um, if you do foul, which we've done this before too, um, now you're relying straight up on your box outs. So um, at the free throw line, um, which, you know, we have had teams where we're really good defensive rebounding. We have had teams where we've struggled at that spot. So – um, we might change the opinion on that based off of our personnel. 
um, and lineup that we could put on the floor. But I'd say most of the time we're playing that straight up. And me individually, most of the time I'm playing that straight up. Um, I think you can get bit and you can get beat either way, though. I've seen both, right? right. So, um, yeah, what are you doing? Um, I, I mainly asked it because I, I got that question before in an interview for a coaching job and it was just one of those mm-hmm. like, ah, crap. Like, um, what did you say? I, I said, if we've talked about it before in a practice or if we huddled before and we talked about it, like, Hey, this is like, we're going to foul in this situation. Make sure you don't make sure they're not in a shot motion when you foul them and make sure that you're going for the ball and that you're not just wrapping them up. So just like if I, if we've talked about it before, uh, if I trust the player that's going to be doing it, primarily the point guard, if that's who it's going to be. And then if there's like a moment to just like talk with them right before, I think then yes. But um, I think there can be those situations where you start to think like, ah, is this the right time? But um, you know, the other team might just be taking it out. And then that's when you can just kind of say, just like, Hey, just pressure the crap out of the ball. And like, if you happen to foul, then like you happen to foul, but right. Be aggressive. I, I think that's kind of a, a safe middle ground of, Hey, you're up, you're up by three and there's, you know, 15 seconds left. It's like, just pressure the crap out of the ball. Like if you get a foul, you send them to the line. All right. Box out, get possession. Um, you know, if you happen to get a steal, great. <laughs> You're going to get fouled and you get a chance to extend it. Um, so I think, yeah, it's, it's definitely like very situational. <laughs> there's yeah. no, there's no one size fits all for that one. Uh, I think it a lot of it comes the... down to trust. What's that? That's true. Yeah. Trust is a big thing. Cause you got to trust your players to make a smart decision. Right. Cause something crazy could happen in the play where maybe you got to change your decision. Um, right. I think in a full court situation, I think it's a lot easier to take the foul because you're not going to really be, have a guy be in a shot motion in the back court. Um, I think if it's in the front court, I think you have to be super hesitant about that. I think, you can make that decision, but I think you have to like actually think about it a little bit longer. Like foul, um, like on the catch or something. If it's in the half right, court. like as soon as it happens, right? Yeah. Um, I also think it um, depends on if a team has another timeout. Like, what if they For just sure. use their timeout and they have no more, and it's a full court situation? You know, maybe you do take the foul and give them a different look once it gets to half court or something. Maybe you can see what their play is. So. Um, yeah, it's definitely situational, but that's talk. We're talking about like, we're talking about how coaches and assistant coaches play a role. Maybe that that's a conversation that's being had outside of the huddle before you address the huddle. Like, okay, we're making this decision. This is where we're going with now. We got the, the team has to be bought in. Right. So, um, yeah, it's definitely situation based. There's, I don't think there's a one size fits all answer. Mm Mm-mm. And I think that's an important thing as a coach is you got to be prepared to make decisions and be confident in your decisions. If you were to ask me that question on the spot as it's happening, I could give you, you an answer right away. Right. Sitting here talking about and analyzing it. I got all these different ideas because I don't know how much time's on the clock. I don't know where the ball's at. Right. And do I think the player on the other team is going to make that shot? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, but you ask me in the moment, I'll give you an answer right away. Uh, yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think like there's, there's so many nuances to it. Like you're saying so many different details I can go into it by far. The most important thing is that the five players on the court are 
all doing the same thing. No kidding. Like if if one person <laughs> or like three people think that they're playing up super crazy hard and the other two are not, and like and whatever it may be, everyone needs to be on the same page. I yep. think I think that kind of goes across the board, even if it's like, hey, this game plan is stupid, but even if it's a a perfect game plan only done by two or three people won't work. I think even a bad game plan, if everyone is on the same page, you have a better chance of winning or playing better if everyone's on the same page, no matter what. I agree. I so agree. Whatever whatever your decision is as a coach, if you're gonna be fouling up three or whatever, make sure your whole team knows what you're doing. Um that's yeah. overarching thing right there. Um to kind of go back to just situational basketball, I think it's incredibly important because there's there's so many different looks and different um um different nuances to a game whether if you're whether if you're winning whether if you're or like whether if you're up in a situation or down um i think this is we did a lot of it when i was in indiana when i was doing a little bit of youth basketball we did it a lot um not for a ton of time but we'd have like you said you know like 20 and i mean for younger kids we did a little bit longer just so we could do the same the same type of situation over and over again and get everyone a chance to get in there. So 20, 25 minutes of it. But um, yeah, it's important because there's, and it's, it's a chance to teach them the game of basketball more so than they've, yeah. that they're probably learning outside of a practice and like just from, from their parents or from just them watching or whatever might not understand everything you see and just might like, Oh, that team won. Like, cool. Right. Like kind of a thing versus understanding why, um, and even just stuff as simple as like, sometimes it's, sometimes people don't play well with a lead. Like they, that, that intensity pulls off and it's like, ah, should we pull back the aggression? And then you start making mistakes. Right. And then it's like, do you play, continue to play too aggressive and start letting it come out? So just like, even learning how to play with a lead is important. It's not always, Hey, like you have to climb the mountain cause you're down every time. It's like, no, it's, yeah, it's definitely it's, not just about the team that's losing for sure it's sometimes really difficult and and even when like we were just talking like that whole fouling up three situation you're ahead by three and like there's so many different ways to go about that um Mm -hmm. and so and and even just like i think the biggest thing is teaching the players how to think in that moment because we don't always have a timeout to use to explain everything we don't we don't always have that break in the action where I can bring the point guards over and we can talk to them real quick. We don't always have that. And so allowing them a chance to learn in an environment where it's not like the game is on the line right now and like try to figure it out. Cause then that's when people start, you don't want to be thinking too much in that moment. Cause then you might freeze or whatever, but exactly. um, yeah, just learning how like, Hey, like we're down. So like, like, uh, I think it was always important to let the kids have their own huddle before they started rather than me teaching them everything. And so we, we had like a sixth grade team. We did this all the time. And so it'd be like, Hey, you and your five, you guys get like one or two minutes to huddle and talk about what you're going to do and why. And so like, obviously you'd be looking for the team who's down. Like, Hey, you guys are going to start applying some pressure. You guys going to start doing this. Are you guys going to throw in a press. Like, you guys going to throw in a trap? Like, what are you guys going to do? And like for the offense, it's like, you guys just going to run around and jack up shots. Or are you guys going to try to run some offense here? Um, we would you know, give them a time score and then be like, all right, each team gets one timeout or like this team only has one timeout. The other team doesn't. And so just give them, gives them time to think. I think 
in in general like in situations that's obviously important but even just in practice as a whole like it's not just about hey me as a coach i'm going to show my expertise i'm going to show you the coolest drills that i know i'm going to try to get you to do you know five man weave perfectly or whatever it's like practice is also a time to teach your players how to think about the game of basketball right. you know it's not always hey, if something bad happens, come back to me, the coach, because I know everything and I'm going to tell you how to do it. It's I'm going to teach my players how to think on their own so that mm-hmm. I don't have to coach this specific area that I feel like you guys are proficient enough in doing yourself and I can focus on other things. So I think being proactive and allowing the players a chance to mess up and not always just telling them the answer right away, but just saying, hey, go figure it out with your team. And that, that increases the communication, you know, from player to player, which is just as important as, you know, coach to player at times. Um, you know, just like I was saying earlier, if, I have, if all five guys are on the same page, you have a way better chance of doing it than if three of the kids understood what the coach is saying and two of them don't. Like, it's always, right. it's always more important that the five guys on the court are the most connected and understand what the goal is in that moment. Right. Um, I think that's huge. I, I I think it gets lost at times that like no matter what you should be trying to help the kids get better. And that's not always a skill. Like, like it's not always help their jumper get better. Their, their handle or like, Oh wow. They know this play so well. It's do they know how to become a better basketball player? Like as a whole, um, I think obviously there's um, there's so much that goes into practice, you know, preparing for games and, um, you know, like coaches that are focusing on the record and all that kind of stuff, which obviously everything plays into it. It's competition, it's wins and losses at the end of the day. But long-term, teaching a player how to think on their own, how to communicate on their own, and how to solve a problem in the middle of a game on their own is always going to be incredibly beneficial to your program. Because I think that as a coach, <clears throat> as a coach first, you have to find a balance um, as to what your practice routine is going to be like. And that can take time to figure out um, if you're a brand new head coach, um, it's a new season, regard, you know, no matter what the situation is, um, you got to figure out a good balance of what fits your team. You might have a different group um, from year to year and certain teams might need you know, kind of like what you just talked about. Certain teams might need more of learning how to play basketball versus skill work and vice versa, right? Um, and I think as a player, you know, you have to adapt to practice plans. And, um, you know, we talked about it quite a bit earlier, but the the jump from high school to college um, and the, the expectation level, um, I think that that, is something that not everyone is always prepared for. Um, They might have an idea. You might have an idea as a player um, of what it's going to look like. You're like, oh, man, guys are just going to be bigger, stronger, faster, more athletic than me. Um, I'm really going to have to, like, focus on that. But um, you got to understand, too, that those guys in college have more basketball experience possibly than you. And you know, a lot of times. And so their basketball IQ might be higher and they might be talking about concepts that go over your head. So, um, and then along with that, like the expectation level is just higher. 
Um, so be prepared for that stuff. If you're a player making that jump from high school to college, um, yeah, have an open mind as a player and as a coach um, to get to know your coaches, get to know your team, um, and really adjust those practice plans and what you see fit. Um, that I don't think anyone in any industry or any walk of life, any walk of life is going to stop learning. Um, so we're all still learning as coaches day to day. Same with players too. So styles might change season after season. Um, depending on the group you have or just what your preferences are. I'm still trying to figure out what it would look like for me if I was a head coach, and I'll probably still be trying to figure that out when I am a head coach. So, um, yeah, practices are super important, though, obviously, um, and the games are the reward. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts. I know it's kind of just a, a jumble of words, but, yeah, triggered a lot of thoughts for sure. Yeah. Uh, at what point do you kick your team out of a practice? It's something that mm. happened to us many times. Have you guys kicked your team out of practice? And if so, what, when is that, when is that beneficial? I'm trying to think of if that's happened. Cause I'm pretty sure it happened yeah. like three or four times. <laughs> at so least in the two since, years that we were. Since I've been coaching, I think it, I don't know if we've necessarily kicked the team out or we, we've like, we've stopped practice and finished practice in that moment. So I guess it's the same thing. Mm. Um, maybe like once or twice, maybe I think once for sure. I'm not sure if it's happened the second time. Um, that was a few years ago though. Um, yeah. Cause it was just like going through the guys were going through the motions. We couldn't get anything right. Um, yeah think that's happened once it definitely happened a few times when we were players um i i have yeah i think there's a lot of opinions on that stuff um i think it can be a good thing i think it can also be a bad thing um whatever you're saying was earlier about situations um i think situations are situational exactly um situations are situational so i think uh yeah it's like Definitely a case-by-case type of thing. (laughs) I remember one time specifically, and I actually don't think you were on the team yet, Josh. Um, I think it was my... I think it was my sophomore year. So I'm not sure if you were there yet. Right? Because you were there my junior year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I don't think you were there yet. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I can. I don't want to go into detail or anything, but it was really funny. It's really funny going back, like thinking about it now. But yeah, I I will say this: when it has happened, um, when it did happen, the next day in practice was always a really good practice. So I never had like a bad follow up experience when that's happened. Um, but I do think there's there's definitely probably a good list of pros and a good list of cons um, on that topic. Uh, so. Um, yeah, you got to have a mentally tough group of players. I think if you're going to do stuff like that, which we did, uh, when that happened. So, um, yeah, that's always a, that's that's always a fun I wasn't one. expecting, I wasn't expecting you to ask that question. I, I didn't, that's I funny. wasn't expecting to either. It just kind of floated across my brain. I was like, we've been kicked out a few times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's always a fun That's good one. memories. That's funny. 
Definitely. I, it definitely creates a, um, a moment of, um, getting a chance to see how your team is going to respond to like a crazy situation. Cause that's very like out of left field. Um, usually pretty intense situation. You don't, you don't get softly asked to leave a practice. That's not really something that happens. Uh, right. you're usually getting screamed at and possibly a ball getting kicked at your head or something like get out of my face type of a type of a feel. But, um, yeah, those, those locker rooms are always fascinating afterwards. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. that. I think that's the risk of that happening. Um, you can just set it. You get to really find out the character of guys on your team. Um, I think that can be a risk. <laughs> Maybe you get answers that you don't want. So, right. um, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's funny. I, I digress. I will not comment. I think that's funny though, that you brought that up. Yeah. Good, good times. I, you definitely need a mature group and it needs to be oh, a right, it needs to be the right situation. I don't, I don't know if, I don't believe we were ever, I think I was, we were maybe kicked out of practice one time in my high school career. Um, I don't, I don't really remember it in detail, but I, I think it's, 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 it's way more risky with, with a high school group. Um, I think it happened once when I was in high school too. Uh, yeah. And it caught me off guard. That was the first time it happened to me was in high school. I was like, what this happens. Yeah. <laughs> so, cause like up until that point, like if that, if, our team was having a bad practice and a coach was that like upset or something like I think we just ran. So like, right. didn't just like kick us out, but I think we just ran. Um, yeah, I would say when I was a player in total between high school and college, it probably happened like four times, maybe five times, four times. I don't know. Something like that. But yeah, that's funny. I'm literally like trying not to laugh. That's funny. Yeah, it's uh maybe maybe that's something that we we bring up to some of our our future guests and we ask them about some experiences or I don't know their uh their methodology in that. Yeah, for sure. Because there's I I think there's a little bit of a <laughs> never mind. I'm gonna stop talking. Never mind. I'm I'm I think there are times when in my experience it felt like it was planned before the practice where you seem like uh, a really small mistake felt like it was the end of the universe and it was like right off the jump of practice and it was kind of like whoa what's what's going on (laughs) um so i think i i wonder how i wonder how often uh it is planned versus just the day just got to him boiled over too far get out of my face i wonder yeah yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think it'd be yeah, fun I to. I I haven't had that experience on the coaching side. I think it'd be really fun to throw a team out of practice. Obviously, it'd have to be the right situation. <laughs> Situations are situational. Obviously, it's got it's kind of the word, of the uh, the phrase of the day. Maybe we'll title this pod that. But if any of your future players are listening to this, just be prepared. Coach Josh Hill might throw you out of practice, and it might be planned. Yeah. If we practice perfectly all the time, then won't ever, you know, won't ever be on your plate. So just do better. Oh my gosh! All right, um, we're gonna end on that. 
thank you for tuning into the player to coach pod where you get to learn the ins and outs of getting kicked out or kicking your team out of practice and why that's important.